0: Let us pray. I was glad when they said to me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Lord, we are glad and we are grateful to be gathered in your presence this morning with your people. And I do pray that we would encounter you by your word and that you, Holy Spirit, would move in our hearts and challenge and comfort us all to the glory of Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's good to see you all this morning. Good morning. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, uh, my name is Drew Halton, and I am one of the priests on staff here. Um, So I grew up in a small town in Mississippi, Grenada, Mississippi. And when I was in seventh or eighth grade at First United Methodist Church in Grenada, Mississippi, my youth minister, Reed Stanford, uh, gave me opportunities to teach in youth group and to even preach in youth group. Several years later, when I was in college, my campus minister at the Wesley Foundation, Eddie Willis, taught me how and helped me learn how to organize and lead Bible studies and also to lead music ministry. And then several years after that, right out of college, Philip Walkley gave me opportunities to lead in a nonprofit in ways that were bigger than what I was ready for, Uh, but he was right there every step of the way with constant and gracious support. And then in my first pastoral role, Robin Abadie gave me opportunities to preach and to pastor, and he offered uh, gracious feedback along the way. For several years, Jeff Schulte mentored a handful of men and me every single week. He poured into us, and he helped shape and form me as a husband, as a man, as a dad, and as a pastor. Reed, Eddie, Philip, Robin and Jeff, these are men who saw me and who spent countless hours pastoring me and loving and caring for me. These are men who built into me so that I in turn could build into others. They built into me so that I could build into others. Now this picture is one that we see right here in this morning's gospel reading in Matthew chapter 16. And I think it's an important picture for us to consider and reflect on for a few moments. Um, so let's look closely at this gospel passage. Uh, you can turn in your bulletin. It's on pages 7 and 8. So we see in this passage a significant moment in the life and ministry of Jesus and a significant moment in the life and ministry of His disciples. He and His disciples had just traveled uh, to Caesarea Philippi, which was a Greco-Roman city about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. And when they arrived there, Jesus asked His disciples... Two very important questions. Now the setting here is important. The place they are is important. Jesus is intentional about asking these particular questions in this particular place. The setting adds to the meaning. So let's look briefly at this place, Caesarea Philippi. Like I mentioned, Greco-Roman city, 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. Near Caesarea Philippi was a small mountain on which set a temple that uh, King Herod had built around 19 B.C. in honor of the emperor, Caesar Augustus. Now imagine Jesus and his disciples had that temple in their vision during this scene. Just behind that temple, there was a cave where it was believed at the time the pagan god Pan dwelled and lived. And that that cave was the gateway to the underworld. So it's in this very intentional place that Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, the Son of Man is this title that's loaded with significance that Jesus is using to refer to himself. And in verse 14, the disciples answer him. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus personalizes the question. And I imagine him looking into his disciples' eyes and asking them one of the most important questions I think that they would ever hear and he asks them in verse 16 or in verse 15 but who do you say that I am Peter in verse 16 answers on behalf of the 12 disciples and he says profoundly significantly importantly you are the Christ the son of the living God so against this important backdrop in this setting of idol worship, Peter boldly declares, you alone, Jesus, are the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, our deliverer, our rescuer, our redeemer, the one that we have been waiting for. Little G gods, these pagan gods like Pan, they're not God. You are the son of the living God. Caesar, Caesar is not Lord. You, Jesus, are Lord. And then in verse 17, look at how Jesus responds to Peter. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then remember, they're standing near this cave that was believed to be the gateway to the underworld, which adds significance to what Jesus has to say next in verse 18. Jesus says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus is saying, none of the forces at work in this world will be able to stand against my people. The people I'll call to myself. The people that I will give my very life for. The church. Caesar will not stand against my church. Rome will not stand against my church. Pagan gods like Pan will not stand against my church. Satan himself will not stand against my church. This... Friends, church is good news for us this morning because Jesus is promising us that the church will move forward. As Archbishop Foley Beach often says, quoting Boniface Wimmer, forward, always forward, everywhere forward. The church is on the move. The kingdom of God is going forth. God's kingdom is not of this world and nothing of this world can stand against it. A pandemic pandemic, cannot stand against the kingdom of god a growing or shrinking economy cannot stand against the kingdom of god an election year and whatever that may entail cannot stand against the kingdom of god god's kingdom will move forward no matter what amen so for me this raises an important question and the question is is how How will God's kingdom move forward? How will God continue to accomplish his mission, his purposes, through us, the church? Well, right here in Matthew 16, Jesus is clear about at least one part of his strategy. And it's right here in verse 18 that we just read. Let me read it for you again. Jesus says, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now Jesus is using a play on words here because Peter's name literally means rock. You're Peter and on this rock I will build my church. But there's another important play on words happening here and it's a metaphor. An important metaphor that Jesus uses here that other New Testament writers pick up and use throughout the rest of the New Testament and it's this metaphor of of building. Building. Peter himself uses it in his first epistle, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Peter writes, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, as a holy priesthood. The apostle Paul also picks up on this metaphor and uses it throughout his letters. We see it in 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 3. Paul writes, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. So Jesus says to Peter, On this rock I will build my church. And Jesus is true to his word. Jesus built into Peter and the rest of the twelve disciples so that they could build into others. Of course, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives his, his great commission Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So this is part of the strategy of Jesus. Jesus built into Peter, and then Peter, in turn, raised up his own disciples. He built into them. Jesus built into Paul, and Paul built into Barnabas, John Mark, Silas, Timothy, Priscilla, Aquila. The New Testament tells us that Priscilla and Aquila, in turn, built into Apollos. And then Paul's letter to the Corinthians First 1 Corinthians makes clear that Apollos built into the people of God at the church of Corinth. The building is growing. Jesus himself is the cornerstone, the foundation, the support from which it grows and flourishes. Peter is the rock upon which Jesus builds. And now you, me, we are a part of this building too. I love how Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of the Bible, the message uh, gets at what Paul has to say in Ephesians chapter 2, another place where he uses this building metaphor. Listen to how Eugene Peterson translates this passage. God is building a home. He's using all of us, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He uses the apostles and prophets for the foundation, and now he's using you fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. Now he's using you. So how are you obedient to what God is wanting to do through you? How are you open to how God might use you? Those are important questions. And I hope you'll take some time to reflect on those questions. And to help you do that... I have a couple more questions for you. Um, One question each for different types of people who might be in the room. So the first question is for the man or woman who is a mature Christian, or if you're being humble, a maturing Christian. Someone who has been following Jesus for a number of years. You've been a committed part of a local church, whether this local church or another local church, for a number of years. So if that's you... Here's the question I have for you that I hope you will take and reflect on. Who are you building into? Who are you building into? It's no surprise that we're moving more and more into a post-Christian society. And as we move into a post-Christian society, the church won't grow, the church won't move forward through well-designed marketing plans or clever programs. Those things are not bad. I think that they're good and important. But the way that Jesus is building his church, the way that the church will grow, is through our raising up and unleashing passionate disciples and worshipers of Jesus. So to the mature Christian, who are you building into? Are you modeling your own life and ministry after the life and ministry of our Lord, who spent... Three years and countless hours investing in 12 men, building them up so that they could build into others. Who are you building into? If you don't know how to answer that question, if you don't have an answer to the question, then my ask is that you'll seriously take it to the Lord in prayer. And because I believe that God is passionate about this part of his strategy to expand the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, I believe that he'll bring someone into your path. The second question is question four, the younger Christian. And by that I mean someone who you haven't been following Jesus for very long, or maybe you're just younger in years. You don't have a lot of years under your belt just yet. So the question for you is, Who is building into you? Who is building into you? Our mission statement here at Holy Cross says that everything we do is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I personally believe from the testimony of Scripture and from my own testimony, my own experiences, that one of the primary ways that will happen is through someone who's further along than you are building into you, investing in you. So who is building into you? you don't have an answer to that question i would also say to you to seriously take that to the lord in prayer and because again i believe that god is passionate about this part of his strategy he will bring someone into your path now if he brings someone to mind it might take you actively pursuing that person you don't have to be a passive recipient in that so i hope that you'll go after this and find someone to build into you so read eddie Philip. Robin and Jeff, men who for years built into me so that I could build into others. Who are you building into? Or who is building into you? Remember that Jesus gave us this promise that the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. So, with that promise in mind, may we boldly embrace Jesus's strategy to build into other people so that they can build into other people and so that his church can grow and grow. The kingdom of God come here on earth as it is in heaven here in Loganville and Monroe and Walton County and Gwinnett County as it is in heaven. May we have the opportunity to experience that and be a part of that. So let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for this promise that your church is moving forward, always forward, everywhere forward. And thank you that you choose to use us to build. What a privilege, what an opportunity. I pray that we would passionately embrace what you're calling us to and that you would indeed build your church, grow your kingdom through Holy Cross Cathedral to the honor, to the fame, to the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen.